Wars, and welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library, the show where we watch all bunch of Disney movies, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. all Disney movies, the animated ones, not all the animated ones. We have a list, basically. A, it's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am your, I am one of your two co-hosts, Jeff, and returning again over there, live via satellite from thousands of way, thousands of miles away, thousands mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even say my own plugs correctly or my own words. These are sentences. TC, maybe you should just take over. I'm I'm TC. There's TC. We we are here to talk about uh, animated uh, Disney, in particular the Disney Animation Studios Library, which is specific to a just over fifty animated films that does not include such classic favorites as Goofy Movie, Brave Little Toaster, any of the Pixar, any of the Studio Ghibli, and of course, not Song of the South, not in the list, that's not even an animated film, (laughs) stop trying to tell us we need to watch that movie, it's not even animated, it has animated sequences in it, you're killing me here. I think I think people are going to keep saying. I think you know maybe what we'll do for our final episode is we will we will watch Song of the South no, just, just because we'll, we'll just have to do a bonus <laughs> where we do Song of the South. But no, we we are watching the Disney Animation Studios Library, which started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, yes. which is going to take us all the way to Moana and beyond. But today, yes. what are, what are we doing today, Jeff? Today, TC. Today, see, we, we watched our second 1977 film because last week we watched The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. This week we watched. I hit my microphone. The Rescuers. <laughs> that's, the original, that's, not The Rescuers Down Under. Let's just get that. That's, yep. that's a couple episodes from now. That gives <laughs> us plenty of time to perfect our Australian accents. So I know. when we do the Australians Down Under. It's uh, going to be great. Crikey. <laughs> Crikey. No, it's oh, just, just The Rescuers, 1977, Bob Newhart, and Ava Gabor. <laughs> Which is such a weird. Okay, let's just let's just talk about that. Let's talk about the casting of this movie. There's a lot of regulars. First off, there's a lot of like re- returning people uh, that have that we've heard their voices uh, previously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's actually like Pat Buttram. He's been in the handful of the last couple movies we've been watching. That's uh, right there, Jeff. <laughs> but then also, and then even Ava Gabor, because she ended up doing uh, was it. Um, was that 101 Dalmatians, I do believe, that she was? Oh, no, she was uh, She was uh, Duchess. Um, in, uh, uh, an Aristocrat. Aristocats. Aristocats. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's right. I couldn't, remember, I couldn't remember which one it was. So We watch a lot of animals. There's a lot of animal <laughs> Disney movies, so it's it's hard to keep track, it seems. They, they tend to be the successes. But yeah, we, so we have Bob Newhart and Ava. Which, which is so, like, Bob Newhart is, it's such a, in my head, it's such a weird casting choice. For your main character, but at the same time, it does make sense because he does well with the whole kind of nervous unsureness. Yes, I feel like Bob Newhart made a career off of that, you know, portraying that type of character. <laughs> He's a nervous guy. He's a nervous yes. guy. He's a nervous man. Uh, all twelve of his shows that mm-hmm. he created in the seventies were basically that. Uh, but it's it's. It's, it was such a weird when, I, when that when that credit came up at the beginning of the movie. I actually kind of paused for a second. I'm like, I didn't know Bob Newhart That's was the right. one that did the voice. And you you had not seen this movie before, correct? Uh, I yeah. uh, this is the, going into this one. I've seen parts of the Rescuers Down Under, but mm-hmm. this one I had never seen. That this this was completely new to me, and uh, it was definitely it was it was not at all what I expected. Okay, I'm just I'm just gonna throw that out there. Not in necessarily in a bad way. Okay, not in okay. a bad way. Just well, in a different way. <laughs> to uh, to stick on Bob Newhart as casting as Bernard, and I think that that feels more like how Pixar casts their voice actors now. Because 
Pixar does not sell their movies on their voice actors' names. That's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. something that other studios do. And uh, uh, Bob Newhart is not an obvious choice. Maybe he maybe he was a more obvious choice in 1977, or I guess this movie took three years to make. But I. I like I like him his performance in this character. It's a, he's an, Bernard himself is a neat little character, and Miss Bianca, who is the the title character of the books that this is based on, Miss mm-hmm. Bianca and the Rescuers, which is the this book series that's being adapted here, or well, the second book of the series is what is adapted to the screen. Um, it's a it, I don't know it's 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 interesting casting because it doesn't feel obvious but again it might have been obvious in '77 and been like oh yeah I, I, of course these two would be that's the green isn't she on Green Acres? <laughs> well and that's the thing is like Bob Newhart <laughs> at the point in this in the time that this movie was being made and then when it came out it, he was in the middle of the Bob Newhart show yeah so I mean <laughs> which was on for what like six years in the in the middle of the mid '70s so he was still very much so kind mm-hmm. of well-known i mean he was well-known already at that point and yeah green acres ended in 71 so ava garber had already been like in the public's eye and she was always kind of a little more around so people were people were well aware of both of these two characters and or sorry these actors so they were probably more fitting like you said more fitting at the time just nowadays looking back at it being that was the weirdest casting (laughs) pair up so strange so strange. Now, so one thing that I did find out, because I did a little digging and just kind of some research on the movie itself, and it did mm-hmm. turn out this actually, we, we kind of previously discussed that we've, we're, we're out of the age of Walt having his, like, having any kind of connection. Right, his, his, his influence yep. is gone. Uh, that kind of happened with, uh, it, was, it was more or less, what was the last one that we had? It was te- Well, technically Winnie the Pooh had him connected to it, because right, those were... Robin ones, Hood, but Robin Hood, he was very, very tertiarily involved with in terms of that production, and Aristocats. Similarly, he he was there for early stages of both those movies, but um, yeah. Whereas this one, he they actually started production on this film in 1962. Okay, when he was still alive. So he was still alive. So and they had a version of it. It is not at all what we just watched. Uh, it's a very different movie. It's a very, it was a very, very different film at the time, and it ended up getting scrapped because he just didn't like it. Oh, and okay. so it sat on the shelf. And it wasn't until after he had died that they went, okay, let's take another shot at this. So there still is this, like, there's a little bit of Walt's influence because it's a, well, Walt was trying to make this movie, but mm-hmm. he, he scrapped it. Let's go back to those movies that Walt was trying to make. You know, so there's it's still not the what are we gonna do next? Let's just pick a random book and make it. Like it's right. not it's not that. It's not we're not completely out of the woods yet of uh, of Walt's influence. But mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was I thought it was interesting because yeah, apparently the original draft of it was a very, very, very different film. At one point there was supposed to be like a kidnapped animal. Uh, like out of the zoo that they were going to try to recover oh, uh, and, and, and all uh, that stuff. A, a polar bear, which would yes. be, that's the, the first book of the Rescuers series deals with with a a polar bear who's tricked into doing so. I, I only briefly looked at the wiki for the book series to see what it was all about in the, <laughs> so... <laughs> So weird. Like I guess, I guess growing up, I never realized that this was a book series. Oh, I, I didn't know? even realize it was a book series until today when yeah. I when I was researching it for this episode. <laughs> well, which what it, what it threw me off was that during the opening credits, it was it was oh, how did they credit it? They Sug- credited it as suggested by right, and I went, what does that mean? <laughs> how was a movie 
suggested by another piece of work that that doesn't it does is that does that technically mean that the lion king was suggested by Kubo. uh <laughs> by yeah just like it's like what or, or suggested by hamlet depending or on hamlet yep so i just i didn't that's the that's the first time i've seen that type of a credit in a mm-hmm. movie and it kind of threw me off a little bit but maybe we should talk about the movie itself so yeah yeah the, let's, let's what we'll do go. you think the movie was about <laughs> what? Uh, i'm doing okay that. i see that's cool uh okay so this is a movie about the... i should have asked you what what order you wanted to place it in your list that's what i should <laughs> oh, have done. you you did say you're gonna trick me into doing that one of these <laughs> one so of these the the rescuers 1977 the rescuers is the story of the rescue aid society which is a group of mice who are an international united nations style rescue society they 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 help people in need they help uh, children in this case they help little pennies this little girl who's been kidnapped that has sent a message in a bottle uh, asking for someone to come save her and uh, um, Miss Bianca the mouse volunteers her services and ropes Bernard the janitor into helping her to go rescue this little girl who is trapped in a bayou by uh, Madame Medusa, who's trying to find uh, One-Eyed Willie's treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, like, okay, first off, I, I love the concept. I love the, the concept of this movie. Like, mm-hmm, I love mm-hmm. that, that that there's this whole little mouse-run world that is a rescue agency. That was that was brilliant. I loved, I loved the opening scene where we're in the United Nations and all of these different representatives from the different countries are standing around looking at the board uh, trying to figure out when the meetings are and then little mice version of all of them climb out of their bags yeah. and stuff and <laughs> run over to their mouse-sized version of their sign and, and into their part. Like, I loved that. I thought that was so clever and so creative. Yeah. It, and, it, and it has a... It's this... this, this weird reality where you can have a little sign that says mouse un and no yep. no one's looking down at the floor and going what's that little there's a little <laughs> sign here that's <laughs> and and we're in a world where animals can talk to other animals as well as talk to humans who can talk to them well at least children i don't get the impression that the adults could talk to the mice but mm-hmm. um penny could talk to them which does go into a, a realm of Jungle Book, right? And, and that was a little that was a little uh, off putting or not off putting. That, that it kind of threw me for a loop when um, oh the dog I'm sp- or sorry not the dog the, uh, the the old cat Rufus uh, that, Rufus, Rufus thank the you old cat, yeah. uh, when when Rufus is talking to Penny it, it actually for a a moment there I'm, I was very confused. I'm like wait a minute is this I didn't there because because that was about twenty minutes or maybe yeah ish twenty ish minutes into the movie or so when that first happens and at up to that point I didn't know that was even a thing like right right they you thought it was just going to be the the animals talking amongst themselves right in- like like standard you know and like like what we've already seen for uh, previous Disney movies like Hundred One Dalmatians and the Aristocats and all that stuff right, where right. the animals don't talk to their humans um, we hear them talking but then they'll bark or they'll meow to their humans and that's mm-hmm. you know that's what the humans hear yeah we're in the we're in the 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 fiction of Jungle Book and Cinderella where the animals can talk to the humans. Right, or at least, um, yeah, yeah. The one thing that threw that that was kind of interesting was uh, so. First off, I, I just want to say like the the way this movie opened, mm-hmm. you could already tell we're out of the cla- like the golden age of Disney. 
Like, from what we've seen. The, the last 22 movies we've watched, they've always kind of had a standard opening. It's been also very bright. It's been very happy, upbeat. You know, mm-hmm. we get a lot of the, op- the live-action book openings, or even if that's not the case, it's just a big fan, like, orchestral fanfare. And uh, an overture, like, yes. Yeah, an yes. overture's playing. This movie opens, first off, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, <laughs> but one of our uh, Disney first, this movie opens with a prologue. Yeah, yeah it's a, it was a cold open. credits. Yeah, there was a cold open that then played throughout the opening credit sequence and then continued the story. So the storyline kept going, which was just, it, that, <laughs> that was so like jaunting to me, I guess, I guess a little bit. It, it kind of threw me for a bit because I wasn't expecting that. I was yeah. like, all right, how is this going to open? Wow, this is really dark. Wow, yeah. it's kind of depressing, actually. It's, uh, oh, it's, I kind of like this. <laughs> it, set, it set the tone immediately, and it was a, definitely a different thing. We'd never seen this. It... As, as much as these Disney classics we've watched up to this point do have their place, this felt like the opening of a, I hate to use this, but it's the best way I can explain it, a more legitimate movie. It didn't right. feel like, dun da 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 here's an animated film. It was, <laughs> here's an animated film. I didn't mean to sing that, but... Um, <laughs> it, it you know, opened, it, it came off great. It came off perfect. I liked it anyway. <laughs> but it, it felt more like, um, it felt more like a film... Like a just a film in general, not a family film, not a kid, not a, you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, it even yeah. Had- the entire movie actually feels that way. That's the thing. That's the one thing I did realize while watching it. It didn't. It didn't necessarily feel like a Disney animated movie to me. And yeah. I was the, I spent the entire time trying to figure out what it felt like. And, I, and unfortunately, I still I still cannot. Put my head to what this movie feels like, not in a bad way, but right. just it, it's not. It feels like yeah, it feels like a almost like a live action movie. Even with it being little mice, if you just pretend that, that the mice weren't mice and they were humans, this just felt more like a, 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 a real movie. Yeah the the opening itself. If you hadn't seen the cold and came in while the credits were running, mm-hmm. you could easily mistake it for a live action film. Yeah, because the paintings that they use for the opening credits, while that that very '70s sounding song is playing, oh it, yes, is uh, it looks and feels like any ordinary film. It doesn't have anything that that inherently said you're about to watch an animated film until the mice show up and get the message in the bottle. Um, and, and the way that they, the way that the, the 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 drawing style, so we still have that little bit of that rough-ish you know, type look to it that we've mm-hmm. gotten in mm-hmm. a bunch of the previous films and for like the last, I don't know, seven or eight we've watched. But there is a much more realistic look to the movie as a whole. It doesn't have the abstract, you know, designs that we've that we've gotten in some of the more fairy tale uh, Disney films like Cinderella or Robin Hood or, or uh, Sword in the Stone. It's very much so real. The humans in it, except for... Um, uh, uh, Madame Medusa. Mm-hmm. The 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 humans in it are all just they look like they've been rotoscoped. Actually, yeah, yeah. You know, in, in a, it's it does still follow the style we've been watching in the past. It's the Xerox film era. Now yeah. the the advancements they've had here though is you'll if you may have noticed, and this may go to that what more realistic look you're saying. The blacks in this film are there's less of them because they finally figured out a way to Xerox and in shades of cray so mm-hmm. the the outlines of the characters the outlines uh 
separated that that typically would separate the characters from the backgrounds in a, in some of the previous movies we've watched are now mm-hmm. blending closer together because it has this more desaturated uh, palette to it. Uh, it still follows that sketchy style we've been been seeing. Um, I I I did find in again looking up uh, information about this just to discuss it that the sketchy style that people were very aware of that from this 101 Dalmatians and Sword in the Stone critics and audiences were were very quick to point out that sketchy look and mm-hmm. the old men as they're known the some of the original animators of Disney Studios took offense to that as a bad thing because it, they went out of their way to maintain as much of their artwork as possible which meant less cleanups done by other people so Ali Ali Johnston is one of the most classic animators of of the Disney era this might even be his last film Um, he animated Madame Medusa uh, himself (laughs) (laughs) just because of uh, him only being able to was he the only one that was able to do it was that kind of the the general idea yes yes so he he (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, not Ali Johnson, Milt, Milt Kahn. Oh, okay. Yeah. He animated it Khan. by himself sorry. because he, he was the only one who could nail it. And it probably added to the, helped to the fact that he had designed Madame Medusa after his hated ex-wife. <laughs> she did seem like she might have been like there might have been a little bit of uh of of personal influence on the yeah. on that character that character first so you brought up Madame medusa mm-hmm. i lo- i love i i really kind of dug her as a character uh yeah. she's oh, yeah. she she's very very animatic uh you know era animated she just mm-hmm. she's bouncing all over the place she's uh, very unique in the way she moves and and her body she does remind me a bit of uh, Cruella de Vil oh, and yes, yes, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. I'm I'm glad that they didn't decide to make her Cruella de Vil, but yeah, she she does have that wiry frame, and she's as you said, very animated. Uh, she's a she is a great looking villain, um, right? Now, overall, her her character and the premise of this movie, and uh, this movie has pretty pretty straightforward it's not a very complex film at its surface i want to dig into something that i i feel is worth analyzing later but uh, so that that means madame medusa isn't the first villain you think of it probably wouldn't be the 10th villain you think of but she looks she's animated so well i really like Mm -hmm. the look and design on her and she's and her performance as well she's she's a she's a creep she's a she's a villainous (laughs) villain she's just a greedy monster right and that's exactly what she needed to be. She's not anything else uh, over the top, or she's not anything else but just a villain. She's yeah, just she, yeah. she's a greedy villain that wants the diamond. And uh, that was the that was the one other thing that I, I found was this this movie feels while while it looks darker and and it has a more gritty esque like vibe to it that seventies vibe uh, mixed also well with the as you said the 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 classic folksy 
Carpenters light music, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which uh, which apparently they did ask the Carpenters to do it, um, oh, but they weren't able to they weren't able to do it schedule wise, and they apparently regretted both of that. Karen Carpenter regretted not being able to do the music for this, yeah. uh, but it's obvious they had a sound in mind, and they still went that direction. Um, but uh, the <clears throat> the 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 film itself kind of teeters between it being this action movie. And this, you know, mystery and this heavy drama and a comedy and a, you know, a, 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 it felt like the Goonies at the last like twenty minutes when they were trying <laughs> to get the, the 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 diamond back from the pirate, you know, yeah, uh, the pirate cave. <laughs> it was just it was it, it was a little weird because it it did feel like it was all over and they couldn't pick. It, it didn't feel like one single genre, right. I guess to me. It, so yeah, I, I agree that the tonally. It it does jump around a little a little too mm-hmm. much. It, this isn't as tonally a mess as something like the Aristocats, which I I, right. I recall we discussed that Aristocats felt that they couldn't exactly figure out what they wanted to do. They were just mashing together as much as they could, and this one does verge into a similar messy territory tonally. I think that the 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 hillbillies, the Bayou people who are helping them out, uh, Ellie May and Nuke, and mm-hmm. uh, those characters coming to the rescue in the end, and I don't know that that didn't feel cohesive to me. It felt <laughs> that felt a little different. It didn't feel like the same movie to have them come in and have the wacky uh, attacking the boat, right? Because because it it it. it 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 seemed like it was it what this seemed like is it seemed almost like it was a television show of like three like three episodes that got spliced together and just they kept changing the structure of the show from week to week or, or something <laughs> along those lines like it was just a little confusing um yeah, fun, funny you would say that because uh, you, do you know the Rescue Rangers connection here? Uh, I do actually. Yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, that was uh, that was it was an interesting little note uh, for for those those of you guys listening, which is because I'm assuming there's people listening. It's not just TC and I talking to myself. <laughs> uh, Even um, if it was totally worth, it. totally okay with this. Uh, but apparently uh, there was going to be prior to, and I guess this this connects to the Rescuers Down Under. Prior to the Rescuers Down Under being made, uh, there was uh, the plan to make a television show. Uh, based upon the show, The Rescuers. Mm-hmm. And they had already had it kind of, it was kind of in production to a degree, but then once they greenlit making The Rescuers Down Under, they scrapped the TV show, mm-hmm. but took the concept and put in Chip and Dale <laughs> and in the place of Bernard and Miss Bianca and then retooled it into Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Which could Other- easily exist in the exact same world oh, as yeah. The Rescuers. It almost feels like it. It probably exists in the exact same world, because mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, because wh- what do you have? Chippendale looks like Indiana Jones and uh, Magnum <laughs> PI. <Magnum P>. <laughs> it's like okay, so there's this, there's just there's this is that that was just in a different part of this world, whatever right. this world is. Mm-hmm. So from so the Rustlers, you you were saying earlier you couldn't quite pinpoint why this movie feels different or what this movie exactly feels like. Uh, in comparison to the history, the twenty plus movies we've seen before this, right now, I, I, I a, a large credit needs to go to animator Don Bluth. This is the first time that he was made the full art director on this film, as opposed to the assistant art director he has been since Sleeping Beauty. And is that what it looks like? And it, it looks like his movies. Yeah. So if you if you if you know the Don Bluth Library, oh. if you're familiar with All Dogs Go to Heaven and American Tale, Five Goes West, 
uh, and a handful of his other films. Uh, Secret of Nim is the first one he made after leaving Disney. He plays in a darker palette and a darker darker themes. He plays in a it's not nightmarish by any means, but in a no. much in a in a scarier place, a, a more mature place. And this movie feels like what Don Bluth went off and did when he formed his own company. Uh, in fact, this movie is the is when he decided he was done with Disney, because he was done with the system. Uh, this was his, he got promoted. He was the art director of this film, and at one point, while looking at the progress of the film, he noticed that oftentimes there were scenes where the whites of the mice eyes were, wasn't put in so that mice just had black beady eyes. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and someone higher up than him said, it's, it's, it's too expensive. White is the most expensive color. It's too expensive to, to add that. So just, just, uh, stop questioning the system and do what you're told. And he, he, he was curious if that was true, so he, he did a little uh, investigation with his buddy and found out that it wasn't any more expensive or inexpensive to animate with white than it was with any other color. color. And, that, and that idea of some bean counter telling him to just fall in line, that's when he made the decision that he was going to lay the groundwork for forming his own company. And... After this, he he is responsible for one of the the mass exodus, the first mass exodus of Disney Animation Studios to go form what would be the Don Bluth Movie Studios and the creation of Rats of Nim and the first animated film to outgross a Disney movie. Like, there's some history there. <laughs> <laughs> and oh man, thank you so much for bringing him up because that is it. It's the Land Before Time. Yeah, that's that's what I that's what I see. When I was watching this movie, because he he directed it, um, and he produced it, and obviously he still had a, a some hand in it. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't obviously write it, but it was still that's that's it. That was the, oh, oh my goodness! It's the it's Thank the dark, you. It's the darkness it, of his style of animation. Of his that, style that, that we that we would get out of the eighties. Were were we to go venture over to his animated movies, which we will not, at right. least for this podcast, he. And his influence starts being so heavily influential on the tone and style of Rescuers, uh, I believe will trickle into the next couple movies we, we see out of this 10, out of this era of films that we're watching. So there you go. Interesting. Don Bluth. I am I, I'm just, I am now, now I'm like replaying the entire movie in my head going, duh, idiot, that's what it was. <laughs> that's totally, so, it's that style. So it's his artistic style that he brought to the film that mm -hmm. made it look so different than Disney. Oh my goodness! Now, thank now, you. I'm so excited about you're that. You're very, you're very welcome. Okay. And, anyways, and now, now love it, love it or hate it. This movie was the highest grossing Disney movie when it came out. The animated. <laughs> this was the highest grossing animated Disney film in the history of Disney animated films. This movie outgrossed Star Wars in France and Germany. This movie was a certifiable smash hit. Yep, because if you think about it, this movie came out in '77, same year as Star Wars. Yep, yep. Which is just, oh man. And now, why, now, why do you think that is? Why do you think it? Why, why did it do so well? Was this because in '77 now you have a bunch of people who maybe grew up on Disney that were now adults or you know young somethings and they wanted something different, or because it doesn't? This movie is one of those films that I don't think 
kids would get as much of a kick out of as no, no, it, older it, individuals or older yeah, viewers would. I, I suppose we're we're asking a question we usually save for later in the in the cast, but it's definitely worth talking about now. Is that this isn't? I would. I don't think I would sit a kid down in front of a screen to watch this, mm-hmm. and and the success of this movie surely must be this. It's the so we're looking at the late '70s. We're looking at the counterculture for, that came out of the Vietnam era, and and cinema itself changed throughout the '70s. That's when Scorsese and Kubrick, and uh, you look at something like Clockwork Orange, or you look at uh, Taxi Driver, the, mm-hmm. the Apocalypse Now from Francis Ford Coppola. You're looking at a much darker era in content. A it's I, I say it, and it'll be apt, and you'll think I'm being silly, but if you think about it, I'm right. It's a sweatier era. Yeah. cinema it's a yep. it's a dirtier air of cinema and that being reflected in something like the rescuers which I'll be is still a family film and there mm-hmm. still is some some Disney charm to this and it's it, it does follow fo- follow a lot of the the classic Disney elements it is a 70s movie the soundtrack the score the 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 tone of it the, even the pace of the humor is not as punchy as we've seen up to this point. Um, so I, I think the success of, of the film is because of the era of, of cinema that it came out in. Right. And then this, we're, we're hitting that era, like you were saying, where it is that dirtier and sweatier vibe, but there was also a, a long time there, especially it's, I think it's more prevalent in the eighties where you got movies that were supposed to be made for kids, but had a much darker tone than what, really it should have been if it was for <laughs> kids uh, you know I, I my movies in my head and these are all live action movies but like I'm thinking of like honestly the Goonies mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of Monster Squad as a favorite of mine where it's a group of kids and it it is kind of a kids movie but there's moments that a kid would not want to watch or I wouldn't want a kid to see you know you, you, you kind of it kind of toes that line of not quite knowing which direction it wanted to go with it, and and it makes a very unique movie that just is a little not confusing, but is just it's interesting to watch and be like, why did you think that was a good idea? <laughs> like, who are you going for? What I, is what? Why? I appreciate those those movies that on their surface one would think were kids' films, but then when you watch them, they're like, there's some kind of dark stuff going on here, or some m- more mature stuff mm-hmm. that you wouldn't exactly purposefully bring to a kid's attention, but at the same time, there's some... If you look at Dark Crystal or The Labyrinth or, yeah. uh, like you say, Goonies, um, even the original Star Wars, which you you could say, oh, that's that's for kids. There's peop- Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen getting burned alive. There's, <laughs> there's a sexiness in Han Solo. Um, and that style of storytelling, that, that family movie... Uh, that that verges into darker territory that is questionable. I, I wish there was more of that. I uh, you look at where the wild things are. Where the wild things are was not a kids movie. Mm-hmm. It was a kids book. But boy, <laughs> when you when you when you make a movie of was it uh, who made that uh, Spike Jones? Spike Jones. Yep. <laughs> that's yep. made for millennials. That's not yes. made for. That's made for. Someone, someone near the age of thirty, <laughs> right? Who, who would know the story from mm-hmm, a child? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I remember that story from the, from a kid. And when I saw they were making a live action movie, I'm like, oh, that'll be interesting. Not, not the cutesy movie you th- would have expected. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, as a, I wish there were more movies that did that though. I wish that I wish Star Wars for as much as I, I enjoy Episode Seven. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I I wish there they are missing that. I'll say yes. Han, okay, spoilers. I guess. I mean, who hasn't seen this movie? <laughs> like, yes, Han dies, and there's some elements. It's it's it, like the the sexiness and the sexuality of, of characters is gone. It, uh, Star Wars has been neutered. Right. If, if I, I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but it's it's that something like that that is missing from Star Wars, and that is fascinating about movies of of the rescuers type. If you look at Labyrinth, I mean, hell, Labyrinth is one big sexual innuendo. True. Uh, uh, rescuers has had... nothing to do with Bowie package, <laughs> by the way. Nothing to do with his package. It has everything to do with <laughs> Bowie package. But rescuers has. It goes to the question someone, I can't remember who tweeted at us last week, but the difference between a kid's film and a family film. And mm-hmm. Rescuers, though I do think it's still a family film, it skews more towards a mature, uh, more adult, uh, darker themes. Even even like the, the, the relationship, the budding relationship between Miss Bianca and Bernard, which is really cute and really feels natural uh, as opposed to the... Uh, more cookie cutter forced relationships you get. Oh, I like uh, I like Prince. He's handsome. Now we're going to be together forever. I think mm-hmm. Bianca and Bernard have a much more realistic relationship. And right. and they're mice. <laughs> and they're mice. <laughs> they have a more human relationship than a lot of the humans in some of these movies seem to mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, and, and it's it's and I, I feel like the problem nowadays with some with a lot of these these franchises going back to what you were saying about how they feel like they're missing what made them what made them originally good is is Hollywood and filmmaking nowadays are they're trying to play stuff safe and and this won't this won't come into a rant regarding the way Hollywood works because I am not a huge fan of it and that's you know we don't need that here because we're talking about a good movie <laughs> called The Rescuers but basically it's just it comes down to you know the studios want to make enough money or they want to make as much money as possibly possible so what they end up doing is they end up kind of capping off you know getting rid of the stuff that could be deemed too scary for certain age groups or too kiddy or childish for certain age groups mm-hmm. and that's resulting in this movie that's kind of mid-ground so that way it appeals to the widest audience yeah, instead of yeah. you know it's either it's either we have to we have to uh you know appeal to the widest audience or we have a very specific this is our audience and that's it and now you can do whatever you want inside that which ultimately tends to be horror movies it seems like <laughs> and even a lot of horror movies are still trying to appeal to the widest audience which is the dumbest thing in the yeah. world yeah uh, with rescuers by taking taking the the risk at telling a story like this by giving it that we'll call it a Don Bluth feel mm-hmm. here to, to go back to, would you show this to a kid? Were a kid to watch this and be interested in it. That's, that is a kid that will very likely grow up to be interested in things like, uh, we'll say bones or, or firefly or, or that Han Solo princess Leia relationship. You have, uh, crime procedurals and, uh, and the relationship that often the will they or won't they relationship of partners is that's what rescuers is it has the same vibe as the will they or won't they from those shows i just mentioned right right and and if you could find a, if there was a kid who watched this and was truly engaged in it you're you're looking you've seen you can see a very uh, a rough path that that kid's interests might fall into right because because rescuers doesn't play to a lot of the a lot of what the other Disney movies have had up to this point. 
Yeah, it's 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 got a couple little beats in it that are like oh, okay, so it's it's a villain that's got like an animal sidekick. Okay, mm-hmm. and the other, but but it's it is at its heart. Yeah, like you said, it's it's a procedural cop drama at, at its heart. <laughs> a girl, a, an orphan is kidnapped, and they have to go and find where she's at and bring her home. Like yeah. that, how is that? That's not a Disney movie. That's Our Mariska Hargitay. <laughs> yeah. Our Disney movies that we've been watching so <laughs> far are 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 just completely different than that. That's that, not at all what this is. We, no. we we often say like we want to see the the Donald Duck version of The Shining or uh, the, <laughs> I want to see someone Jeff, you need to cut a trailer of this like a Law and Order episode. I think that's completely doable actually. Uh, just saying. I might have to work on that one of these days. It's it it is it's it, I think and I, I think that threw me for a loop. And obviously, at the time for the audience going to see this movie in the seventies, it didn't. No, they didn't care. Granted, they didn't have cop procedural dramas like we do nowadays. Uh, they Perry did. Mason. Oh, I was gonna say <laughs> there was a very different cop procedural drama. Yeah, they were all yeah, courtroom yeah. dramas back in the seventies <laughs> and Chips. Uh, no, Chips was the eighties, I think. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> But the, the it was it was it's so weird and it was so different to see this type of movie because yeah we we haven't had that our the movies that we have watched so far have been films where oh well I guess there has been a kidnapping mm-hmm. but then it's just we're gonna go and get I guess I guess the hundred one Dalmatians is kind of that same plot. <laughs> well, you hmm. you had said this wasn't <laughs> what you were expecting. What right. were what were you expecting? I guess I guess I don't know. I, I you know the thing is is that I I I I didn't expect it to be because I know you had mentioned last week that oh yeah this one was about this one has kidnapping like child kidnapping in it right and I went oh okay I thought maybe I guess it kind of it did happen that way I guess in <laughs> my just, head I, I just okay. I don't know you know what the weird thing was I don't know what I was expecting out of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know when I went when I sat down to watch it I expected there to be a girl kidnapped and I thought maybe it would be another kind of like 101 Dalmatians where maybe the girl's dog goes after her or, or not dog or like you know like maybe the mice or her pets or something and they go after her trying to find her like I, <laughs> I I don't know what I was expecting I didn't expect there to be this whole agency that or this whole like mice UN that goes out to just <laughs> save people or help people that threw me for a loop also well, I, I was not expecting there to be so much sadness in this movie oh yeah and Penny yeah. is so dang cute and it made me sad and I cannot handle this sort of an emotion <laughs> it, I can't do it Let's let's actually let's actually talk about Penny because I think she's I think she's different than any other protagonist we've seen so far. I don't know. What, what do you think about this? This this is just something that I was noticing as I was watching it play out and mm-hmm. in in considering the characters. Now, obviously, Bernard and Miss Bianca; those are our, our main characters. Those are really our protagonists. But but Penny herself, she's not a victim in that she plays the damsel, right? And she's not a kidnapped little princess. She's she's proactive in trying to rescue herself. She's the one who sends the bottles out time and again. She's right. the one who keeps she keeps actively trying to escape. And that's that's interesting to me because it wasn't just her that felt a little more uh, empowered than right. previous princesses. No, don't get me wrong. We've seen empowered princess uh, female characters before, but Penny felt a little different in in just how 
especially for her age being just this tiny little girl. I'd seven maybe. Uh, right. I can't remember if they said her age, but uh, she's she's a, she's got gumption. She's got grit to her for for someone who's <laughs> just wants to be adapted, and she's got her little uh, lispy voice, and uh, oh. she is so darn cute. But she also has no fear, and right, and that's. We she gets picked up by alligators and <laughs> is like, just like put me just down, put yeah, <laughs> kind of just like crossed arm looking at just like I hate you. I can't believe I'm. I can't believe you caught me again. It's just, these are alligators, child. Yeah. I would be. I I I'd be messing myself is what I <laughs> is what I'm trying to say here in the nicest way. <laughs> I I can't think of a a a female character in particular before this that had as that had as much. Uh, that that style of character to her, she's right. uh, reminiscence. Uh, there's reminiscence of her in Lilo. If you if you want to jump ahead in your mind to Lilo and okay. Stitch, just that that no fear attitude. That you could you could see how strong she was despite being seven years old. And and it wasn't just her. Bianca is the leader between her and Bernard. Mm-hmm. Um, Ma- Ma- Madame Medusa is the the leader here. She does f- completely fall into that that uh, Cruella Deville style of I'm I'm in charge. I'm in charge here. But uh, the, a- Ellie May is in charge of all the Hicks. So there was a lot of females in this movie in part- in Rescuers here that were the the alphas. I guess I don't know if that's the the right way to put. It, but they you you see what I'm getting at, right? There was yeah, a lot of yeah. fe- uh, uh, feminist empowerment. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the thing that I like, I think that's it's definitely something based upon I, the movies that I know are coming. I, again, I can't talk for the next couple of them, but especially once we hit Little Mermaid and then onwards, you start seeing that more and more. That type of a character, that proactive. Um, strong-willed female. Yeah, we're you know, we, we've come character. a long way from uh, from uh, Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from exactly. Aurora with her twelve lines of dialogue. <laughs> yeah. When, now we're starting to get these characters that they're they're in situations they don't want to be in, and instead of the just being like, "Oh, ho hum," I want to, you know, I'll sit here and wait for somebody to come and save me. You're right. They try to find ways to get out of it, whether or not those ways work out, or there's there's obviously a lot of struggle, you know, involving it. But mm-hmm. I know that I know that happens with Little Mermaid. I know that happens with Jasmine in Aladdin. You know, Belle with Beauty and the Beast. She's actually full, like she doesn't. She doesn't like the world she lives in. She knows there's more, and she wants to go do it, and she tries, and she does, and yeah, she succeeds. Like, you know, it's like that mentality that it's not just – Penny is not just a kidnapped girl in the wreck riverboat, which is the weirdest hideout in the world. <laughs> great, uh, great, great set piece. Great <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Um, she's not just sitting there like like – hoping someone's going to come and save her. Because uh, like you said, she tries to escape multiple times, you know, yeah. and she even does what what Madame Medusa and Mr. S- uh, Mr. Snopes? Snopes. Is that his name? Yes. Snopes? Yeah. Um, you know, she even does what they want just because that was, she's like, all right, fine, whatever. Now you're going to take me home, right? Like, mm-hmm, that's it. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay. So it's not, it's not her just pouting and saying, no, I'm not going to do anything and leave me alone and someone come and save me. It was nice to see that even in a, like, yeah, like a six or seven year old <laughs> little girl in this movie who's still, it's, uh, I have to tell myself it's just paint and yeah. Ink, oh, but, but she's she so cute. So dang cute in this movie <laughs> and made me it gave me all the feels, T C mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. the feels in my heart was happening when <laughs> well, she was sad. I I I'm glad that Penny is developed as she is and Bernard and Bianca have 
their relationship has developed pretty well. However, there is the the other characters we just talked about. Mister Snopes, he is very underdeveloped. The mm-hmm. the the hillbillies and are are very underdeveloped. And there's there's parts of this film as a whole that I feel would have benefited from a couple more scenes or or more time with the characters. Snopes himself would felt like like I didn't know anything about him. Why was he there? What was his connection to Medusa? What there was he out for himself? Uh, she betrays him. Like there he was so underdeveloped and the the hillbillies were underdeveloped. Like if they had gotten to the bayou and found a forgotten or an ignored branch of the rescue aid society these mm-hmm. backwoods hillbillies like uh, crash landing in the bayou and need, okay where where can we go for information oh let's go uh, oh uh, apparently there's there's a branch of the rescue aid society over here and they find this shack of of miscreants there there you go you've just just that little bit of extra to those characters develops them in just enough just a little bit more. I know I'm rewriting right. history here, but it's it's moments. It's the underdevelopment of Snopes, the underdevelopment of the of the of the Bayou people <laughs> that <laughs> left me wanting. You know what I'm saying? Right. Wanting more or wanting wanting just a little bit more explanation. Which I mean, it, and I am like you said, I am glad that they did expand what they you know what they did, but it felt like they spent too much time uh, developing certain characters and then just forgot about everybody else in the movie and just kind of went ah well all right whatever just yeah they're they're fine yeah this is this is the bad guy that's all you need to know and she wants she wants a diamond that's it like yeah, that's kind of it 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 felt a little lackluster in that department and it was a little sad that they didn't explain more about that i was trying to find um i thought that there was some uh i thought there was some uh, comment that i was reading online regarding that like those those the backwater people were supposed to be a you know a missing branch of it or a forgotten about branch but they ended up ditching the the concept and i can't be bothered to find it now so that's i i think i know what you might be talking about because there was uh, Phil Harris was initially going to be in this film as well, playing the leader of the Bayou people. So Phil Harris, mm-hmm. who is Baloo the Bear, Thomas O'Malley, Little John, he was going to come in and be the leader of that group. Was and he going to play another bear? Because I no. don't think I know. <laughs> he was going to be a bullfrog. <laughs> and they ended up cutting his full character because he was too funny. And they they felt that he created a really weird tonal juxtaposition between the drama of Penny's story and rescuing her, and then you have this goofy bullfrog character cracking jokes and singing songs. I think that this movie still has a weird tonal... It's a little bit of tonal mess, and it's mm-hmm. because those those hillbillies, the, the bayou people... Eh, they bec- they feel out of place. Like the one Nuke is chugging moonshine and his eyes are, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm I am not gonna lie. Growing up as a child, I always thought if you drank alcohol, you'd breathe fire and your eyes would do that little <laughs> weird color swirly thing. I always thought that. <laughs> I was greatly disappointed, folks. Mm-hmm. Just just from just from experience. Um, it's. It's 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 one of those things where I I wonder if the bio people had not been in the film, would it have still worked? Like like I I it really because they only show up for for that end moment right as just like additional help correct? Yeah, they they get the ride on the boat, right? Right, they get it, with the 
or er, er, ermine. Uh, what's the, the 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 dragonfly? The dragonfly, right? Like it's it's one of those where if they had cut them out, I wonder if the movie would have been not necessarily better, but if just overall tonally it would have it would have smooth it would have worked out better because those characters. I mean, there was actually what one thing that I, I I will complain a little bit about though was that. When uh, when when Bernard and Miss Bianca are gonna are, are show up originally for Penny and they're on the boat and they're developing the plan for how they're gonna get her out. Yeah. And then Madame Medusa wakes up and then the whole thing is just crapped, like scrapped. I, that 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 blew my mind for a split second. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, why? Wait, wait. You just spent five minutes developing the plot and then you went, oh, never mind, forget about that, and we just moved on. And it 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 actually kind of hurt my head a little bit. I was trying to figure out, well, then why were we spending that time doing that if it was just a misdirect? So I wonder if they had, if they had ditched the Bayou people and, and out of the movie altogether, and that was actually the escape plan. Uh, yes, I realized that they would have had to have gotten the diamond, but maybe that would have been the escape plan post-getting the diamond, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Um, Mr. Snopes has to fix the uh, Madame, you know, Medusa's boat car thing that she drives around on. <laughs> I, I want you that, know. by the way. Whatever that I thing do, too. Is, I, that thing looks awesome. That Bayou motorcycle <laughs> thing? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I wonder if they had removed it, if it would have been a better... If, if yeah, if the, if the tonal shift wouldn't have been as bad. Yeah, um, I, but... Though I'm I'm more from ad. I, I wouldn't subtract from this film because mm-hmm. everything that's here is... What works is really working well. The, right. There's the world that they've created... Uh, I, Miss Bianca and Bernard themselves are great characters, uh, great performances by Bob Newhart and, and Ava Gabor or mm-hmm. uh, Garber. Um, but it's the underdeveloped stuff that, that, like I said, makes me that leaves me wanting that I wouldn't trim out the stuff that wasn't working. I would find a way to to develop it further um, in a in a perfect world. Uh, now. Maybe we'll get more development from everything when we get to the the sequel of this film. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. I am now very interested in seeing the sequel. I really want to watch part two now, mm-hmm. having seen part one, just to see well, where do they go with it? What 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 happens? Is there development? Yeah. I also want to. I also want to compare the the quality of animation uh, shift in the what thirteen years between the two movies. Cause... It's it's incredible <laughs> to think that. In this ten we're watching now, we're getting both rescuer movies because exactly they, they, the seventies feel so far removed from the nineties, and it is. But when you look at the library, they have so few films coming out now compared to the the rapid fire we were getting before. Well, right. yes, we did get two movies in nineteen seventy seven, but <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is cheating. <laughs> when it, it's cheating because those were pretty much already finished prior to it being released. Mm-hmm, it was just mm-hmm. a package film. Package film. Ah, uh, I got to film. do it again. I'm happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I want to see. I, I I can't wait, and I'm I'm really glad that it's only a few more episodes away. Really, mm-hmm. it's it's what another maybe five, six. It's after Little Mermaid, so yeah. Oh, um, I actually had a question about. Um, of all the movies we've watched oh, so you far, you did it! You did it! You did it to me. What? I was gonna try to beat you to the punch. I was waiting for you to finish talking, and I was like, "Oh, TC, where would you rank it?" You'll just you never trust me again. That's I eventually don't. we'll reach a point where I'm gonna ask. But then again, you'll throw it at me at the very beginning of an episode one of these times. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I won't trust you when we're talking. Not even while we're recording. I'm just, just gonna be waiting out. for you to be like, "So, of all the conversations we had just now, <laughs> where would you rank this one?" So. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a sense where this is going to go. I, you probably have a sense where I'm going to put this as well. But I'm curious. I, 
because you had never seen this before, how what, you walked away from this, you've you've sit down and engaged in it. In previous films, you've said often if you have a lot of notes, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just generally, how, when you finish this movie or as you're watching it, where where did your heart land? I really enjoyed it. I I mean, I, it it. it in my head, it wasn't the movie I guess I was expecting, but at the same time, it kind of was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when the film ended, I was happy with the end. I I loved that. Oh, there's another note at the end that there's somebody else that we have to go rescue, and off they go. And you know, so that way, in my head, it's like, okay, this is never gonna end. This is <laughs> this. So this wasn't just a one-time thing. They're gonna keep going. They're 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 out there saving people or helping people or rescuing people. Bernard and Bianca. Just doesn't Bernard and Bianca. Yes, he doesn't. Doesn't wear off. Doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue as smoothly as as Chip and Dale. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I I there wasn't anything that I hated about the movie. You know, I wasn't bored with the movie. I I I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun. And uh, I'm personally TC. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it at number two. Oh, you're putting it a. Above Robin Hood. I'm putting it above Robin Hood. Okay. I because because again, so now now it's starting to get a little complicated because now it's like okay, which movie? Dang it! Keep hitting my microphone. Which <laughs> one? I talk with my hands even when no one is watching me, guys. It's and true. Gals. It's true. Um, <laughs> but like it's it's I would definitely watch the Rescuers before I'd watch Robin Hood. Okay. Again, like in a heartbeat. I like not that not that Robin Hood was terrible. I just. This was more enjoyable for me. It had a good mix of comedy and the action and the drama and all the feels. It's all the feels, TC. <laughs> it's all the feels, little it's penny. All the feels, it's little but, penny. Uh, at the same time, I still did like Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I'll just just a hair more than I liked than I liked the Rescuers. So I'm putting it at number two. Mm-hmm. TC, where are you gonna put it on yours? Well, I I do really like this movie. It was a surprise to me. I had, had, I have seen this before, but I, I remembered very little of it, and mm-hmm. I, I was happy to return to it and happy to to sit down and watch it again, engaged in it uh, with a new lens, uh, specifically for discussing it with you, but also in watching it with the rest of the movies we've seen up to this point. And it's it's got some wonderful stuff in it. I'm I'm happy that it it wasn't a a terribly terrible dynamic shift from. Winnie the Pooh to this that mm-hmm. we though though we are in an in an odd era now, I think dubbing this the Dark Ages at this point isn't fair. It's, right, it's certainly darker and it certainly doesn't have the same flair and color and joy of Disney up to this point. But it's not bad at all. Mm-hmm. Like this this movie has a lot a lot of good in it. Um, that being said. The music is really, feels really dated to me. The, the the underdeveloped aspect of some of the characters didn't quite do it for me. So I'm going to make this my number currently my number three. So we made okay. it one week having the same list, Jeff. Oh man, TC. But at least our number one is this is still Winnie the Pooh. Yep. Until for now. Uh, for now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not that I, I dislike this film. I don't want anyone to. But if you you've just sat and listened to us talk for forty five minutes, you can clearly see where the love is and where my complaints are. And it's still great. This, this movie was. I did not remember 
much of this film. I was really, really happy with Penny as a character. I really like the relationship between Bernard and Bianca. And it, it excites me that we're going to see these two characters again. The yep. Rescuers Down Under, as we'll discuss when we get to it, is the first true it's the it's a sequel it had never yep. been done before it's the first time that uh, that that disney ever made a true sequel to one of their own projects yeah and that's that's awesome so that's a disney that was that was my one first mm-hmm. uh for this week's episode oh, right, i right. really Let's... didn't have any oh no sorry i did a prologue before the opening credits that's yep, the first time yep. they've ever did that so well, those are uh, my firsts <laughs> for this week well jeff there is another first that TC. i cannot believe you ignored well uh, first off, real quick, uh, yeah. did you see Bambi and his mom? Yes. Okay. Let's. Okay. Uh, Anyways, well, no, 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 that's right. There was a there was a goofy the howl. There was a goofy howl Ow. as well. Yep. So yeah. did the Disney tropes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had the villain as animal sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the villain has an animal sidekick and or henchman, uh, and the goofy yell. The goofy yell appears. Does it not appear twice in this movie? I only heard it the once when it's from Orville, uh, which we didn't really talk about. Orville. What a what a fun character. <laughs> the, the 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 plane uh, <laughs> yeah. pelican or bird like, what, uh, what is he because he, he there, right. there were elements uh, Bernard had this uh, underdeveloped idea that he was he was superstitious so there's there's uh, there's there's the thir- 13, 13 rungs on this uh, on this ladder uh, there's <laughs> there's thirteen steps on this the, the the movie takes place or finishes on Friday the thirteenth. Like he's yep. he's he's a nervous fella. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was there's the goofy hell with Orville the albatross, and albatrosses are also unlucky. Um, if you know oh. the the uh, the the mariner, the rhyme of the mariner, um, the rhyme of the ancient mariner, the 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 classic ancient poem where albatrosses used to be signs of good luck, and a mariner kills an albatross while out on sea, thus turning the albatross into an omen of ill will. Interesting. Little, little, little literary history there for you. <laughs> well, apparently I love, everybody loves any kind of like uh, literary history or origin story, so that's perfectly okay with me, TC. Keep doing those. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I did see Bambi's mom as well, and the bird right after, too. <laughs> like They actually oh, yeah. used a little more animation than, than they have. Just but, pulling it all together. But what is the first, TC? You, you missed, said that there was a first. What did this, I miss? This is a huge first for Disney, one that we will see at least a half dozen more times if, I, if memory serves. Okay. The first sexy scandal. Oh, are we talking when, about the still frame? When, the, the when frame? Rescuers was released on video, two frames of a topless woman were snuck into the background of one of the shots. And they had to do a recall of over 3 million VHS copies of this tape. Of, of this film because someone found someone had snuck in and they, and they, I don't, they never said who it was. Disney has never done any sort of press release of who was responsible, but the first sex scandal for a Disney animated film <laughs> or a Disney animated film. And it's two frames. The, yeah. the thing is only in the movie for two frames. It is mm-hmm. a topless woman. Uh, it's, it's when they are first, when uh, uh, Miss Bianca and Bernard are on the, are on uh, the albatross and they're, they're, Try, they're just still trying to fly out of New York, and yeah. that the moment that it happens in is only like three seconds long, even in the movie, and it's a shot of them uh, of of Bernard freaking out, and just in the background of the windows, there was yeah. a, uh, a a topless woman that to- nobody ever would have seen, <laughs> you know, in any in in any other way, but uh, but just on um, the power of the pause button back in the exactly. day, my friend. We have we have entered the 
the VHS era with this film. Now, now, now to be fair, not the seventies. Okay, this was when they released it. They released this into the, re-released this into theaters twice after the success of it in seventy-seven, and the home video market didn't come around until the eighties. Now, a little little history lesson for you here, Jeff, if you don't mind me talking about the home video era. Okay. Uh, the the home video era VHS. It only came around in the 80s, so that's not a long time that home videos have existed when you really think of the the grand scheme of cinema. And the home video era was going to kill the cinemas. It was the death of... Just like TV was the death of film, just like uh, talkies were the death of cinema, the home video was the death of cinema. (laughs) (laughs) Here's here's the thing. The movies were constantly re-released into theaters to make more money. The Rescuers being released three times in theaters. Cinderella, right. Bambi. I, 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 Bambi was re-released in theaters four times. Like it was something that that companies could do for a cheap, easy way to make more money because home videos did not exist. Television playback did not exist. You right. could only see the movies in cinema. It was a special treat. So yep. when VHS came around, the the home market for that. VHS when they originally came around were eighty to a hundred dollars for a video, a a, a VHS Jeff a hundred yep. bucks eighty bucks. I remember buying Home Alone, and it. I remember my parents spending like forty five dollars for that on video. Can you when it believe came out. it? Now, th- this this idea was that because people weren't going to come back and see a movie released in theaters. You needed to make up for the box office that wasn't being sold. So uh, we'll sell if if and now back in the eighties when when VHS began, movie tickets were under three bucks. So right. to sell a movie for eighty bucks, you are assuming that people are going to see this movie a lot. <laughs> I don't but, know who did the math on it, but it feels wrong to me. <laughs> I, obviously, obviously they didn't know any better. They in their head they're like, well, yeah. We're not going to get the people coming to the movie theater anymore to see this repeatedly, so they're not going to be spending, I guess, man. But even even ten times <laughs> to get thirty bucks out of the person would yeah, be insane. Yeah. Like that's way no, that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> somebody somebody moved a decimal point or added an extra zero and stupidly was okay with it. I, I guess that's the only way that I can think about it or I can see it. Well, the 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 VHS that changed home video release was Top Gun because when Top Gun was released on VHS it was 20 bucks which is pretty much what you would pay for a DVD now if if you weren't buying out of the $5 bin at Walmart or Blu-ray even and it was because Diet Coke put a commercial at the beginning of the VHS so you had to watch a Diet Coke commercial before you watched Top Gun and that advertising space changed the price on home video which is so which is so weird but I do remember like my 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 Batman VHS tape back in the mm-hmm. day had like the Coke commercial That's before right. the movie yep. Yep. and you know you you I do remember there being actual commercials prior to the 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 home videotapes that I watched which I always thought well, I guess I never thought of being weird as a child but mm-hmm. now looking back at it I'm like well, it's not weird like I get it that was just free marketing mm-hmm. um especially since or not free marketing but that's You're, how they ad were space yeah. it's ad space and it's it's the exact same thing that we're getting now in movie theaters when you go see a movie and before the movie starts before the trailers start there's 
15 minutes of commercials mm-hmm. and then there's the trailers and then the movie starts like a half hour later basically it's not about the art jeff movies <laughs> are a business <laughs> but it needs to be about the it's art a shame. it's a shame it's a shame so I, I know that was a long tangent to talk about home video but it's because this was the because of home video and the 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 genesis of the pause button that a couple of jokers making the video copies of this would sneak in two frames of some boobs so that mm-hmm. they could go home and tell, tell their friends, hey, pause the movie right here. Don't boobies. <laughs> right? In this Disney animated movie? It's it's a weird it's a weird thing, Jeff. It's a weird, weird thing. You know, <laughs> and, and but, we, it'll be a trope at this point. We can't. I think we'll have to call it a Disney trope because this yep. is going to happen a few more times. It happens a, quite a few more times. There's definitely some more um, scandals, sex scandals esque. You know, just like like shocking things that will happen with some of these <laughs> movies, and I'm sure we'll we'll definitely be discussing. Uh, Events around Aladdin and Little Mermaid, because uh, I can think, and Lion King, because I can King, think yeah. of a few of them through that era. So, look <laughs> forward to those conversations. Yeah. So i I am curious to to hear what the listeners have to say about the Rescuers. We we it's it's another one of those movies that I don't feel like jumps to the front of people's minds when they think of the Disney Animation Studios library. But it was the highest. It was one of the highest grossing movies of the year it came out. It outgrossed Star Wars in a couple countries. This was a mm-hmm. this was a big damn deal, this movie. So I'd like to think maybe our older listeners, and I don't mean that in an offensive way if anyone listening is like, how dare you? I just mean our people who are <laughs> I a am bit, 27. <laughs> might might have a, a feeling or two about Rescuers in particular. But for those of you who got a chance to rewatch it, I know that uh, we did have a comment on the the Facebook page from a new listener, which I, yes, uh, Andrea, Andrea, thank you for listening, Andrea. You you commented to let us know that you are watching this in preparation for our discussion. So I'm I am curious to hear what you have to say and what everyone else has to say. And uh, if you're listening to this on Facebook.com/slash top top shelf pod, damn, yeah. <laughs> then you can. You've been doing so well, sir. Yeah. And I, you, you're allowed to mess up. You're allowed to mess up once. It's okay, fine. okay, only uh, once though. I can't you do it again. A, you're you're, oh, you're kicked I'm off the fired. show. <laughs> uh, you can you can comment in the the specific comment section for the rescuers, or if you go back and and hit up any of the other episodes we haven't that you didn't get a chance to talk about, we we're always happy to engage in the conversations on the Facebook page, or you can tweet at me at TC's Big Head, or you can tweet at Jeff at Random Bell. I didn't get any tweets this week, um, but. That's fine. We had a, we had okay. five last week, so <laughs> <laughs> we had quite a lot last week, and there was a lot of conversation that was happening on the Facebook too. Yes, uh, I did notice that, which was which was definitely awesome. You guys are, yeah, you guys are you guys are awesome for 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 talking to us and talking mostly to TC. You're, TC's <laughs> the one that responds the most of the times because by the time ah. I get back to it, it's just like, nah, oh, you can feel free to mm-hmm. comment as well. Um, I know. But, Maybe uh, I will, but I don't want it to be, you know, like, oh, everyone's loving Jeff. No one loves TC. I gotta let them all love you, sir. You're mm-hmm. the one they they love. It's not I, me. I have this desperate need for attention. It all yes. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> validate me. Validate me. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can also check out Lindsay and Colin's Oscar podcast that they've been doing for Top Shelf, where they've been yep. watching the Best Picture Show. It's the Best Picture Showcase, right? And yep. um, uh, commenting on their threads as well as listening to their episodes, which I'm surely sure that they appreciate and yes um yeah. again i just i just talked to colin this weekend and he uh yeah they're 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 gonna try to start doing some more that's just it's been a really busy summer obviously since we were gone you know for a while as well mm-hmm. this summer it's just it's hard to kind of keep them going and keep 
are everyone's schedules running yeah. smoothly. As it is, we are recording this episode sooner than we normally would have just because schedules. I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm hitting the road. Um, I'll be in Denver, Chicago, and Milwaukee in the coming week or so, weeks, actually. But uh, that could very well mean that Jeff and I are in the same room together next week. <laughs> And we'll record those episodes by me sitting in my bedroom and mm-hmm, TC mm-hmm. sitting out in my living room. And we'll, right. we won't actually be in the same room. Don't talk to be, me. That'd be but, weird. Uh, what are we watching next week? So next week, we are jumping a few more years into the uh, into the 80s. We are smack dab now in early 80s by watching the 1981, The Fox and the Hound. Fox and the Hound. Jeff, have you seen Fox and the Hound? Tell me no. Please say no. Uh, I... I have no knowledge of this oh, movie yes. at all. So <laughs> this one is also a okay. Let's yeah. let's take yeah. a. St- I don't know what I'm expecting out of this one. I so. have only seen this movie once before. We had it when I was little, and uh, well, you know what? I'm, I'll save it. I'm looking forward to talking about this one with you. So, <laughs> uh, so that's Fox and the Hound next week. Is that streaming anywhere? The Fox and the Hound. Oh, mm-hmm. you know what? I should have looked that up. I believe because right. because now we're hitting the uh, now we're hitting the movies uh, from the Disney play uh, the Disney uh, list here that are usually streaming on Amazon Video. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, yes, it is for two ninety nine on Amazon Video right now. You can watch the Fox and the Hound. Nice, so nice. Oh, um, I, I did forget to ask. Where did you watch Rescuers? Did you watch it on Amazon? I did not. Okay. I, I I I had a copy. I found a okay. copy of it that I was there, able to watch. There is a Criterion collection of the Rescuers, which which also proves its uh, its viability as a film. <laughs> the Criterion collection has a version of it. That's so weird. <laughs> so uh, so Fox and the Hound is streaming on on Amazon. If you want to give that a watch, or dust off your old copy because this is one that I I do recall lots of people having. I had it when we were growing up. I'm yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. It's yeah. going to be fun. And uh, perhaps next week we'll be recording together. We yeah, don't know. Part, it's kind of hard. Part of me almost wishes we weren't, but that, that, that'll that be part of the discussion <laughs> next week. <laughs> so, well, um, uh, thank you, TZ, for, yes. for, for, for joining us. Was there anything else that you wanted to say before we ended this week's show? No, no, I'm good. I'm I'm excited to, uh, to hit the road. We're leaving. I'm leaving tonight to, to hit the oh, road. So. Fantastic. Well, yeah. then we need to go so that we, he can leave. <laughs> Guys, we are all keeping TC at yeah. his house. We need to let TC go. We are being It's 100 very... degrees here right now. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> well, come where I'm at. It's only 96. Uh... It's colder here. It's cooler by the lake. Well, then, thanks, TC, for joining us this week, Jenks. I'm glad to be here as well. Thanks, everybody who are listening to us, uh, mm-hmm. coming back and doing all the conversations. That's all great. And we shall see you guys next time. TC, do the sign-off. Please. This is a sign-off. I love that so much. Nailed okay, everybody. <laughs> Nailed it. No mess-ups. <laughs> Score. Love it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye, I'll see, everybody. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>